was just so tired of watching the inaccurate news reports from 9-11 when I was there. And I realized like either the media is really stupid or these people are, it was my real first experience of realizing that they're all repeating the same disinformation. So there must be some kind of conspiracy here uh, that they're, that they're, they've all agreed upon because what they're saying, just even to logistic things of when Red Cross came in or whatever, they all had it wrong. So they were either just mocking, you know, like mockingbirds copying each other, or they were receiving some kind of directive to say certain things. And that's when I started to realize that my job here was to, as a storyteller, was to keep the narratives honest and to do my best to uh, track the media since I knew it so well, since I was a veteran of it. And so um, we created Deloitte Film Festival. That was a big success. And then that moved us into cause driven. We, we transformed Elevate Film Festival into Elevate Films because we realized that there, there was a um, even though we were serving audiences of 6,000 and, and the show that was we were preparing for was at the Hollywood Bowl for 17,000. I had another awakening that made it very clear that 17,000 people doesn't move the needle. We are so pleased that Mickey Willis is able to join us on the Empower Hour this evening. Mickey is a husband and father and a remarkable man with a vision and a mission. As an author, award-winning investigative filmmaker, and the founder and CEO of the production company Elevate, one of Mickey's goals is to correct false media narratives. The documentary series Plandemic has generated much interest as well as a bit of controversy and is an outstanding example of the dedication and perseverance of Mickey and his team. Will you all please help me welcome Mickey Willis. Welcome, Mickey. There you are, sir. So good to have you on the show. I, I am so honored to have you on the show. You know, when you and I met, our good mutual friend, Danielle, set up a Zoom meeting so that we could chat. And I've got to be honest with you, and imagine like a lot of viewers, we really didn't know the man. I didn't know the man behind these documentaries. And as I dug in and prepared for this show, Mickey, I am so incredibly grateful for all of the work that you've done. I just really want to commend you and thank you. God bless you for the work that you're doing. As I mentioned to you in an email, I'm really impressed by the level of detail and care that you're the service, the public service that you're providing for everyone. Very clear. And even in the opening, I set through uh, for half an hour, those 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 directives to let people know their rights. That's what people need to be doing. That's 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 pure uh, public guidance that we really need right now, because we always talk about informed consent, but very few mm -hmm. people are receiving the right information to be informed. And so thank you so much for the work that you're doing. I'm honored to be here with you. Wow. Thank you, Mickey. Yeah, I see. It's always, I mean, we need the reports. We need people exposing in the independent media what's going on. But then I've always said it's one thing to scare the bejeebers out of them. And so it's another <laughs> thing then, you know, to equip them and empower them to actually get in the game and take action. And so many people want to do something and Action for Canada is actually trying to do everything we can to educate them and provide them the resources uh, to, to be those boots on the ground. So this is going to be a great conversation. 
Um, as I mentioned, as I delved into who you were and all that you've done, one of the things that I was moved by is the bio in the opening of your book, which we'll talk about your book a little bit uh, in, in a little mm -hmm. bit. But in your bio, you gave the history. You came through with your childhood and how you moved into Hollywood and, and that is, can you explain a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today? Sure. I was born and raised in California, which means you are born on the left. There's no choice. <laughs> and so for me, there was one party and that was the Democratic Party. And anything, anything to the right of that was the problem. So I, I lived under that for a long time, most of my life, avoided politics, bought into the whole idea that we're not supposed to talk about politics. And so um, I, I did my work as a filmmaker and, and was kind of living the, the very typical, and I will even say the unhealthy dream of making it in Hollywood, which is a, that machinery, once you get stuck in that maze, it chews you up and spits you out and it, it transforms you into something that, you're, that you weren't born to be. And it took the experience of being at the World Trade Center in 2001. I was in New York to negotiate my uh, the distribution of my first movie that I directed. And uh, the uh, Twin Towers were attacked. And I ended up going down to the scene. I was nearby when they were attacked and did search and rescue and ultimately body recovery for three days. Mm -hmm. And a situation of that magnitude, of that horror... Uh, to see things that, you know, most people don't see within their lifetime, except for maybe soldiers and, and uh, rescue workers. Um, it was a real snap to grid for me. So it just it, in a matter of minutes, probably 50 some hours into the experience, I had this I had this awakening that left me unable to be part of Hollywood anymore. And mm -hmm. so I came back, put everything I owned in storage and thought I was done. And And it was a scary thought for me because. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I see Danielle's note here saying every time we have Mickey on, we have technical, technical problems. It's so true. She had a what, on your I, show, I, right? On her show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think, I think they track my moves. So anyway, um, so I it, suddenly it was snapped to grid. I was at the time I had a very big music video directing career. I was directing infomercials and commercials and all of that. And, and just in a moment's notice, I, I looked at my life and the legacy of my work and, and I asked myself a question that really disturbed me once I found the answer. And that was, when I have children someday, what will I be proud to show them of my work? Mm. And I couldn't think of one thing. Mm. And that, that, that really left me unsettled. And I just knew that I, I could never, um, I could never uh, treat, uh, uh, really objectify a, a woman in a music video again. I could never sell a product that, I didn't believe in or that I thought was bad for the people and the environment. I couldn't be part of that system anymore. And so I left, put everything I had in storage <clears throat> and took about a year and a half to reinvent myself. Mm. And within that time, I met the love of my life. And so things started to improve personally. Um, but I still was on a different path that that was very, very different than than Hollywood. And so I didn't know that I'd ever direct again. I had some I had some jobs as a writer, and so I wrote some screenplays and a few things that helped me stay alive and, and put food on the table. Um, but then I I swiftly realized that <clears throat> if I was feeling this way, 
that there are a lot of creative people that probably felt something similar. And that is the need to return to the origins of the purpose of why we were inspired in the first place to choose this medium of film to tell stories. And if you ask any artist, if they're honest with themselves or if they haven't been too deluded by the system, then they'll say that there's, there's, a, there's a deeper purpose. It is about humanity. It's about moving people. It's about reminding people of who and what they are. Because I think the system is made to make us forget that. Because when we can forget our humanity, mm-hmm. when we forget our connection with our creator, then uh, everything's possible. Every dark, devious thing is, is then possible and can be, can be then programmed in. And so my, I, I met the love of my life. We went on, we created something called the Elevate Film Festival, which was a global competition to challenge other filmmakers to create work, positive work, higher consciousness work, show us what's right with the world, the good news of the world. Because I was just so tired of watching the inaccurate news reports from 9-11 when I was there. And I realized like either the media is really stupid. Or Mm -hmm. these people are, it was my real first experience of realizing that they're all repeating the same disinformation. So there must be some kind of conspiracy here uh, that that they've all agreed upon. Because what they're saying, just even to logistic things of when Red Cross came in or whatever, they all had it wrong. So they were either just mocking, you know, like mockingbirds copying each other or they were receiving some kind of directive to say certain things. And that's when I started to realize that my job here was to, as a storyteller, was to keep the narratives honest and to mm-hmm. do my best to uh, track the media since I knew it so well, since I was a veteran of it. And so um, we created the Elevate Film Festival. That was a big success. And then that moved us into Cause Driven. We, we transformed Elevate Film Festival into Elevate Films because we realized that there, there was a... Um, even though we were serving audiences of 6,000 and, and the show that was we were preparing for was at the Hollywood Bowl for 17,000, I had another awakening that made it very clear that 17,000 people doesn't move the needle. That's a huge live show, but it's not going to do what I am now realizing needs to be done. So then we started to then do our best to focus on telling the truth to the media, novel idea. And I ended up on the road with Bernie Sanders, my first kind of parlay into anything political. And I, I had bought into his whole rhetoric, um, you know, rhetoric. We're helping women. We're helping minorities and people of color. And, and I just thought, this is good because I know the system sucks and I'm disillusioned by it, and disenfranchised by it. So I believed him. And a, f- a couple of months on the road with him, I realized that he was a politician <laughs> And that this thing called socialism, even when you put the word democratic in front of it, was the same as the old socialism, which leads to communism. And I realized I was promoting that. And I, I, um, re- I withdrew my support for him online. And for the first time, I saw the immediate fragility and, and toxicity of the left that I was suddenly a traitor. I was getting death threats just because I said, hey, guys, I'm sorry that I put this support out there. And I, I have to withdraw that support because it's not what I thought it was. And you would think that people would say, well, tell us what it is then. Like let, you were on the road. Tell us what you learned, but they weren't interested. It was just, it was just now you're out of the club and we want to hurt you. <laughs> and so right. I thought, wow, okay, this is uh, 
not what I thought it was. And, um, and then we said, let's just start telling the truth, regardless of what side it falls on. And, um, and that ultimately, I'll cut the sh story short, but that ultimately led to, well, I should go back. My brother died of AIDS. 30 days later, my mom died of, uh, actually, my brother died of AZT, which was a medicine that was prescribed by Anthony Fauci. Right. And yeah. 30 days later, my mom died of bad cancer treatments. So the combination of all of that led mm -hmm. me to produce Plandemic. Right. Wow. That's amazing, right? Because um, I find I know you're a man of faith and how God can use uh, <laughs> tremendous past experiences of pain in and what the enemy of our souls meant for harm, God can use it for good. And I, I, I see these, you, I can only imagine these awakenings, like one when you learn who, uh, you know, what Hollywood is all about and the toxic environment that has become in, in desensitizing people through, you know, we talk about video games, but I mean, this, this is initiated in Hollywood and fabricated and then our youth are consuming all of this information from Hollywood and the messaging and the wholesomeness of society is so affected in Hollywood as well. So I have two questions like when you left Hollywood, what was the response? Did you, did you have friends left? <laughs> like, how did that go for you? I did. And I wasn't a big enough of a fish for it to matter. So um, right. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't making anyone money. So, or at least not enough money that it mattered. Um, but, uh, I, a lot of my friends stayed with me because it wasn't really until pandemic that, I, that a lot of those people that I thought were my friends went away. Uh, because w when you're attacked by half of the world and all of the left, uh, they had a choice, which is keep their job or distance them themselves from me. And unfortunately, some of them were shallow enough to, to choose to distance themselves from me, even publicly. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, a, it was a, like everything else, you know, I, I, one of the things that has led me to living an incredible life, and I will say my life is, is incredible. My wife is incredible. My children, my children are just absolute awesome little men, eight and 11 years old, my community around me, my friends, I've never been happier. I've never been more fulfilled. I've never had more inner peace in my life. And a lot of that is because I learned a few years ago that nothing ever happens to us. It happens for us especially mm -hmm. the stuff that hurts. Right. And so when these challenges come my way, I don't resist them. I don't, I don't say they shouldn't happen. I say, what is in this for me? Because I, I look at it like we're all, you know, like, uh, what is it? The, the, um, the famous statue, the, uh, the David, right? Where it's like ch chiseling away at everything that isn't David. It's like everything that occurs in our life is chiseling away to reveal the masterpiece that God created. And that's us. Right. And, yeah. and so I, I, um, I'm grateful for everything that happened exactly the way that it happened, exactly the way mm -hmm. it didn't happen. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and because it has led me to a better place. I live, I moved out of California, live in Texas now, and, um, and I have people around me that are truly diverse. I thought mm -hmm. the people before were diverse, but di true diversity is, is cognitive. That's, it's the diversity of, of how we think and, and how we express ourselves. And on the left, I didn't even, couldn't even see it until I was out of it, that everybody was, was just duplicates of each other. We all spoke the same. We all believed the same thing. Now I'm surrounded by people that have vastly different beliefs but they still love each other.
and you know, and, and, yeah. and, and they, they, they unite around what we're uniting about right now. They unite around family, around freedom, around God, around mm-hmm. peace, around love. And it's like, that's, that works for me. And, and it's a good thing too, right, to, to be able to unite in this manner and more and more. Uh, for myself, the Lord has called me up to proclaim Canada as a Christian nation and to the world because there are such good people living in nations where their faith belief system forms their political system and those good people are living under tyranny. And people didn't really recognize prior to this how much Western society based on a good Christian biblical foundation right? Love your neighbor, don't commit adultery, don't murder, those type of good things. How much it really benefited society as a whole and that they focused centrally on the family. And what is the greatest attack that we're facing is the cornerstone of society, which is our families and the sanctity of marriage and of male and female. And as I had mentioned in my update, as you can see, we're doing a lot of activity against this whole trans and LGBTQ radical agenda, but the family is essential. And so even individuals who are in the gay and lesbian community are now finally ready to speak up after many years of being silent. They're you know, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging them, look, I don't want to hear what race you are, what, what uh, sexual preference you have. We need you on the front line with us. We need you out here fighting the battle together. We have a common enemy and we have common interests within our society that we need to focus on. Um, so I want to, you had mentioned I, something. I, I, yeah. I, I would lo- love to comment on that. I want to comment Absolutely. by first saying thank you, because that is exactly the way that we all need to adapt to that kind of open mm-hmm. understanding that we need the entire human family right now. And we mm-hmm. may have differences and we may have completely uh, contrasting ideas of what's right and what's wrong. Um, I have a video that's going very viral right now called Our Birthright. And mm-hmm. it says exactly what you just said, because it's I'm, I've been mediating a lot of the infighting within our movement. A lot of the top doctors that are fighting, I'm in the middle of them trying to get them to to, um, you know, a, a truce of some sort and, and realize that there's a much bigger fight for us to focus on. And we can disagree with each other's science and we can be really mad that somebody made some stupid comment out on Tucker Carlson or whatever it is. And we can still understand that they are just like in the, you know, in a military battle, there's a lot of soldiers that don't like each other and they're on the same side. But when they get in that mm-hmm. foxhole or on that field, they understand what, you know, the importance of supporting each other. And we right. don't need rifles at the back of our head from our own team. And so thank you for having that open standpoint, because I'm even at this point, there was a point when I got so disgusted by what Antifa was doing in the world that I just Mm kind of discarded them. And just recently I realized, I said, I want to make Plandemic 3 for them because what part of me can relate to them? I've been a rebel my whole life. I'm disenfranchised. There's a lot of uh, parts of me that can relate to those poor, um, Mm -hmm. disillusioned and misled young people that are risking their lives and their health being led by such false narratives to serve the very forces they think they're resisting. And so let me help those poor kids to understand that what they're doing will never, ever lead them to happiness or any kind of pleasure or anything Mm -hmm. good. They're giving up on family. They're giving up on having children. They're scared. They're terrified. 
And so I've now decided to include them into our circle. And so thank you for everything you said. It's incredibly important. Yeah, well, I, I think it's important as well, because these young people, I've been saying for years that I wish we could tap in like they did with poor little Greta Thunberg using her as a pawn in a global agenda. You know, this silly little girl that can't even answer a mature adult question on her own unless there's a little plug in her ear. And that's what's happening with our young people. They're being recruited in our universities, though they're being in, recruited in kindergarten at this point, and they're being brainwashed into thinking that their parents are the enemy and that the government is their friend and the government has the solutions. There's divide and conquer going on. And I wish we could come up with some sort of, uh, of a campaign where these individuals would realize how naive they've been in falling into and pray to the government's agenda. And I'm just doing a report right now because of uh, the report that I was mentioning and this petition the um, and the work that our chapters have been doing across Canada. The gov uh, I, I say the government, but the LGBTQ have sort of hired the bigwigs and that's their uh, Goliath, which is the media. And so they're staging drag queen events right now across Canada because they're realizing they're losing ground. Their whole narrative's falling apart because uh, people are rising up in opposition against them. And rightfully so. But the Canadian anti-hate network known as Khan, Bernie Farber is the head of that. He's been caught lying multiple times. And uh, we've got emails that where he is calling on, you know, they're calling them uh, something in black clothes, defenders in black clothes. Well, we know that that's Antifa. So he's inciting hate at these rallies as the counter protesters. And some people are getting hurt, but they're putting the spin on it that these they're these far right, unloving right wing activists that are the ones causing the harm. So it's very interesting mm -hmm. that you're pulling in them them into Plandemic Three. Um, so actually, let's talk about that. Uh, Plandemic One, as I'm sure everybody knows, was the most seen and censored documentary, I think, in the history of the world and probably remains that way. Thank you so much for that. I look at it that when I saw that video, I, I've been in this seven and a half years, right? I saw COVID and I went immediately. I wrote a report called Government Corruption and Colluding with the Foreign Syndicate. I launched it in 2020, April 2020. People said, I hope you drop dead with COVID. I'm like, that's okay. In a year, you'll be thanking me. And, uh, you know, so, so we're moving forward in this. And so when I saw your video, it was this huge sense of relief. Like, finally, people are, are going to hear the truth. It was not that I told you so moment, but see, I'm not crazy. <laughs> this is actually going on. So thank you so much for that. You went into Plandemic 2, which was all the bad actors that were behind this scandemic. And now Plandemic 3, I'm going to give you the floor. Tell us all about what's coming. Plandemic 3 is the big picture. It's it's very little about COVID except for examining what COVID was used for. And so the agenda is the real plan. The real pandemic has been in action for decades, if not over 100 mm -hmm. years. And so there's been a concerted effort to take America down from within. Um, and, and those are uh, enemies, both foreign and domestic. So we have the Chinas of the world and, and the different superpowers that have every reason to want to over overtake uh, the United States. The United States serves as a firewall for the rest of the nation. So you have a bunch of people that are, we, you know, best categorized as globalist because everything they have is they want uh, to centralize, right? So they want one 
one currency. They they want the, the ability to have uh, you know all resources centralized. Um, when you look at uh, some of the communist nations, there are very little choices that the people have. They'll have one loaf of bread, one can of beans. There's there's no choices. It's all mm-hmm. centralized, comes from one place, and they can control it all that way. And so, <clears throat> when you understand that that's the goal of these people, you know they're 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 obsessed, possessed with this idea of needing total control instead of just enjoying what time they have left on this planet. Um, and and. The, so pandemic three is going to expose the history. We have uh, the work of a man named G. Edward Griffin, who has been warning people since the 60s, making 90 long, 90 minute long lectures, profound lectures where he reads from the manifestos from these different organizations that spelled it out, told exactly what they were going to do. And when you see him reading this, these notes from the 60s and then we cut to modern day to see how they're happening everything from defund the police to burn down the cities to creating a yeah. genderless society to ramping up the words white supremacy and racist and misogynist and uh, creating a race war using the black people as what they called cannon fodder all of it is and then one of the final stages is going after our children and mm-hmm. so we're in it now. We're in the we're in the uh, advanced stages of this very old agenda to take uh, the U.S. Because when I say firewall, what the U.S. is is there's a lot of smaller nations that don't have the military power, that don't have the resources, and and a lot of those countries have been captured, and and they're totally controlled. So all the times that we've gone in to to save a nation from its uh, vile leader. Most of the times that was what they call a regime change. That was us going in because somebody was actually doing something in in the opposite direction that our dirty Republicans wanted them to move. And so they they, you know, made up stories or amplified some existing true bad stories to justify us going in and killing them or capturing them and then Mm -hmm. inserting who we want in there. We've been doing this for decades. And so those people become puppets. And so then when we have. Um, one of the our really saving graces with COVID was that um, I, I believe through all of my research that COVID wasn't supposed to happen in 2020. It was supposed to happen a few years later, um, during very likely during the end of uh, Hillary's first or second term. Mm-hmm. And um, and it got it got pushed forward largely because Trump infiltrated the system and that that kind of forced them to try every kind of investigation and impeachment and whatever they could do until they until they pushed this thing forward, because it was the only thing that would steer away from, you know, there were things happening. Uh, you know, uh, there were declarations to investigate the Pentagon and the trillions of dollars of missing money to really find out if if 9-11 was an inside job to go after Big Pharma. There were a lot of promises that were being made that uh, left a lot of people very nervous because they know they would go down with the ship. And so I, I believe it's my this is opinion speaking, but that COVID was pushed forward. And the, 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 the wonderful part of that is this, because we have outliers, because we have other nations and even um, states within our own nation that weren't fully captured, they mm-hmm. didn't play the game. So we can now look at Africa and say, only 6% got the vaccine and no COVID? Wow, what happened there? Why is China going through what it's going through right now with tens of thousands of people dying with a, with a relapse of COVID and they're all vaccinated? 
So we're able to look at these comparisons to realize you don't have to be a genius or even a scientist or even a doctor to understand that the protocols, all of the measures were deadly. And so, um, you know, we will talk about that in Plandemic 3, but but for the most part, what Plandemic 3 is, is um, really what I'm interested in. I've been, I've been studying ontology for years so ontological research for years what what makes a human being be like what what is the thing that really you know the anthropologic side of what makes us tick why do we do what we do and so it's it's i'm excited because that's what i've been obsessed with for since i was a child i would go to the my mom would drop me off at the arcade but i would end up meeting an old man sitting by the fountain and hearing you know war stories um for two or three hours i was just fascinated by people and so we're going to delve into mass formation, the mass hypnosis. We're going to delve into all the ways, because I, I know it well, and there are people that I've interviewed that know it even better, but all the ways that we have been um, cognitively manipulated. Even right. those of us who are awake, there are still elements of us that are controllable. And we have to be aware of those elements, because it's almost like humans are on remote where they can they can put up a billboard or, or or start some slogan and suddenly we react and we start moving without critically thinking about each move that we're making. And that's how so many people, even particularly smart people, because a lot of these programs were designed for college professors when they decided they wanted to infiltrate. If you understand anything like Project uh, Operation Mockingbird and you know that the CIA infiltrated all of our media, newspapers, radio stations, and all of that, and they were busted in the 70s and had to go through a trial called the Church Trials, um, where they had to admit that they had thousands of journalists and editors all under contract of the CIA. They had captured the narrative. Um, and then after that, then they started branching it out to anyone that had influence on the next workforce, and that was largely college professors. And so it was designed for highly intelligent people. So that's the reason that you have the Neil deGrasse Tysons of the world that are just absolutely bonkers lost with uh, like they have their high IQ, zero common sense. And, yeah. and, and they don't even know that they've been captured by these programs. And so we're going to explore the programs, how they work down to the mm -hmm. I'll give you an example, down to the minute little situations like why did Facebook in 2008 change their button? from whatever it was to like. Why did they do that? It's an odd thing. If you understand user experience at all, which I've studied, that's a, it, it was kind of an odd choice. You know, we're all uh, aware enough to know when somebody has a, a, a bad brand, a bad company name, like that's just a bad name. That was a really bad choice. Why did they do that? Because it got everyone addicted to being liked. Mm -hmm. Like being liked became a currency. We have people all over the world that are working their butts off just to see their likes increase. So now when they have something to say, contrary to the mob, they know their likes are going to go down. So they, they don't speak. They self-censor. Right. All yeah. of these little minute things are ways to control us. They've been implanted through, our, through, our, through big tech, through everything that we watch and we experience. And so we're going to expose all of that to free people up cognitively and then to remind us what we came here for, that this is what we came here for, and, and to get people up and in action to ridding out the darkness. You know, what you are saying here, I'm very excited. When, when do you guesstimate that they, you're going to be launching Plandemic 3? Do you have a date yet, or you're, no, because you're no still more, sound no like more, you're still no working on it? No more guessing. 
No more guessing. Okay. It's June 3rd. <laughs> June, On June, June 3rd. 3rd. All right. Big premiere. Our first public showing is May 13th in Orlando. In uh, Orlando? Uh, I think so. Somewhere in Miami. Um, and uh, that's our big public showing first. It's kind of a, a test screening. Two weeks later, we premiere in Texas at a big live event. If people are interested in attending that and keeping up with what we do, plandemicseries.com. You'll see it very clearly. There's a sign up for our newsletter. That's how we communicate with all of our community. Okay, plandemicseries.com. Yes, ma'am. All right, sounds good. Well, we're going to look forward to that because, you know, isn't that just strategy-wise, as you say, it started over 100 years ago, and they've used it time and time and again in war, are those military-style uh, psychological warfares, and where they can control the masses. <laughs> and I think we're at a, a, a more fragile time than ever before in history because of social media, and because of how almost subliminally they have been able to implement society in people's minds. They've been conditioning us in the ways we think. Uh, the 45 goals of communism, I think, were written somewhere around, I want to say, in the 40s or 50s. And a couple of those was to elevate women and emasculate men. And so the media, for instance, Hollywood, has, ha has played such a huge part in that, in making men look like ridiculous idiots in sitcoms. Mm. And women are always powerful or, you know, in the most of the uh, Hallmark movies, they're, they're the, you know, it's the women who have the big career, you know, he, who meet the single dad or they're the single mom, etc. It's all conditioning of the mind. It's normalizing divorce and, you know, society has become such a mess. But when they decided to turn the switch on for COVID, I mean, everybody was ready uh, as a mutual friend of ours, Peter Seiko, his, his video, his documentary Lockstep, which also uh, won a lot of awards, that Lockstep, how everybody went marching together. And one of the things they're doing in Canada, I imagine the US as well, is they're um, infiltrating us with a whole lot of people who are immigrating here from nations that are living under tyranny. They've already been conditioned to obey the government. And a huge part of that population is the Chinese community. They're the major ones throughout Canada that are wearing the masks. And I have very, very dear friends who fled China to come to Canada many years ago for freedom. And uh, they are one mm -hmm. of the ones on the front line with us fighting yeah. for our freedoms and our sovereignty. So it's very mm -hmm. interesting. I'm going to really look forward to that movie, uh, to that I've documentary. I've interviewed, I've interviewed many uh, Chinese citizens that escaped mm. and even, even members of Falun Gong. So they're in the movie. Right. Okay. So they're going to give from a true perspective of uh, oh, yeah. having lived through a tyranny that we hopefully won't face if we can turn this around, but is around the corner if more people don't step up and absolutely walk out their freedoms and start uniting. Absolutely. 100%. And um, I wanted to ask everyone, because you said a couple of things in, in, in the uh, beginning there that is important. And there, there's a video that I would love at plandemicseries.com. The very first video you'll see is called Our Birthright. Please share that video. Um, it, it's powerful. It won't get you censored because it's not about COVID or anything like that. Um, but it's about keeping us united and the way that true psychological 
psyops truly work um, because there's a lot of citizens that get snagged in psyops that don't even know it. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of infighting that's happening right now in our movement. And of all, as a human rights activist for 20 plus years, I've seen it. I know it very well. And this is how they divide all of us. And right. so um, please share that video. That's my, my, okay. my personal request to everyone watching. Please share that. Yeah, for everyone that's asking how to get the Plandemic Series, um, what is the best website? Is <laughs> plandemicseries.com that they would go to to be able to locate your videos? Yes, plandemicseries.com has everything on there, pandemic related, and everything is free. I, I refuse to profit in any way. I was offered $17 million to, sh- to temporarily share the licensing of plan- the pandemic brand uh, in, in 2020, and I turned it down. Um, I will not, even my book, I asked my publisher, my, I didn't really even want to write a book. I was too busy, but I said under one condition, and that is when the book makes, makes its money back, it's, it becomes free to the people. And so my book is at pandemicaudiobook.com, completely free to the people go download it. Um, and on pandemicseries.com, pandemic one is on there, pandemic two, plus a lot of other, uh, the truth about ivermectin and a lot of other short videos that we've made since 2020 to correct the narrative they're all on there and they're they're all free and and uh, please share them all because they're making a difference when 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 um the ivermectin video came out it went viral right away two days after it went viral the cdc changed their website to consider ivermectin as a as a potential uh, treatment for for covid 19. so these these videos and the way that the people share them absolutely make an impact 100 percent and that's why at the onset i said thank you so much for the work that you're doing when you expose the dirty deeds of darkness and the light shines on them they have to start making decisions about how far am i going to push this uh liability is right around the corner now you mentioned your book um please tell us a little bit about that well the book is really uh it tells a little bit about my story and the reason i wanted to get into my story a little bit is because a lot of the world knows me by what the media said about me and so i wanted people to simply know that this is who i am and you can still judge me you can still hate me whatever you want to but at least know the truth Mm -hmm. and so it tells a little of my story but the interesting part about my book is that it was i was actually being set up i had a a journalist reach out to a a company that I was loosely involved with a publisher only because they published Judy Michaelvitz's book. And they reached out to me and they said, are you interested in doing a book? And, um, and I, and they reached out to me through my producing partner. And I said, no, I've been asked to do a book if, several times. And when I write a book, I really want to take a year off and, 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 and really, you know, and I don't have time to do that right now. So they finally, they said, well, we actually have a, 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 a really credited co-writer, a ghost writer who um, would like to write your book. You just have to take a few meetings and tell her your whole story and she'll do the legwork and the heavy lifting. Um, and then my producing partner offered to do the rest. They said, we'll deal with all the business and all of that. Cause you, so you can keep busy. Uh, yeah, I know you're on a mission and you can keep busy on that. So I said, well, let me talk to this writer. And I talked with her. I really liked her a lot. And uh, it turns out this writer was trying to uh, infiltrate her way into my life to write a hit piece on me. Wow. And what happened was she was hardcore lefty like I used to be, is in interviewing me several times, 
And in doing the research, she had an awakening. And she was stuck in a dilemma. And my publisher called and said, this writer, who I've never met in person, I know her name, but I've never met her. I know what book she's written. She's written a couple of big ones. Um, she's perplexed by what to do. Um, and we, we need to get you on the phone. So we got on the phone and basically she said, I want to tell the truth. But all of my life and business is left-leaning. If I tell the truth, I will be canceled and I will starve. And so I, I, if it's okay with you, I have to do this anonymously. She wasn't a ghostwriter at that point. She was a co-writer. And, um, and I, I, I kind of begged her. I said, please reconsider. Trust me on this. When I made the transition from the left to where I am now, you're never going to be happier you're going to clean out your life. I'm more abundant now than I've ever been. Mm. I were, you know, that's part of the left is, is you have to stay starving. And I was yeah. paycheck to paycheck all of my adult life. Never owned a home until now. Um, and that's kind of the way they want to keep you dependent. It's all about dependency. And so I, I, I did my best to, to let her know. I said, yes, you'll lose a lot of people that you think are your friends, but don't you want to lose them anyway? Because if they would go away just over you having a different opinion, are they really your friends? So I tried, I tried, I tried. She said, maybe one day, but, but I can't do that right now. So I said, all right. And um, then I jumped in to help to write it with her because I was inspired by that because I thought that's, that's kind of cool. You know, I, I could be mad yeah. that you were trying to, you know, kind of finagle me. But at, at the same time, what, what courage it, takes for you to actually admit that what you've seen has changed your mind. She's like, I haven't been able to find one, one bit of misinformation. She goes, I bought it all. So I said, as long as you share that in the book. And she said, absolutely. I want to share the truth. And so she tells the truth in the book that I, I set out to pile on. I think she called it to pile on the bad media and I couldn't. And so that makes it interesting to me because now you have someone who is waking up as she's writing the book. And she's still speaking. She says, I voted for Joe Biden. I did this. I, you know, it's I, but I'm, I'm more and more disillusioned by, by this, this world that I always thought was the benevolent good side. And uh, it makes it, it even a, another layer of interest for me, at least. Um, and then I'm able to, I was able to explain because I got snagged in the whole January 6th mess. And I was, I was speaking in DC on a health and freedom stage. And that when the Capitol uh, situation happened, I sent my two female videographers to go see what happened and, and they didn't return. And I got worried about them. And I had a, I had a radio in my ear and they wouldn't answer it. I wouldn't answer my cell phone. So I went over simply to get them and to make sure they were okay. And I'm on my cell phone and I walk up to the back of the stairs. It was the back of the Capitol. It was very peaceful. And, uh, but, uh, and I was going to go in because people said, oh, they're letting people in and out now. And I thought, well, maybe they're inside. I need to go find them, make sure they're, they're okay. And I saw a couple of broken windows and I, and I know enough as an activist to know that mm, that's probably not a good sign. And so I stayed out and that's really saved me. That's the re only reason I'm sitting here talking to you right now. But I dealt with it full on in FBI investigation and all kinds of stuff that happened wow. simply for being there. Um, everyone was, uh, New York, New York times recognized me while I was there and they filmed me in a couple different situations, edited out of context, made it look like I was part of the insurrection. And so of course the you know, FBI was just doing their job. I don't think that they were, it was a conspiracy to come in terms of, of their work to come after me, but they were receiving a lot of people were 
tagging them and saying, you know, the memes going around saying I was a domestic terrorist. And it was, mm-hmm. it was crazy. It was crazy. So yeah. I got to explain that in the book, what really happened. And, 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 uh, but that all that did is a little fire under me, you know, because I've always really felt for the Julian Assange's of the world, the people that are just trying to bring truth out and then they end up losing their freedom, you know? And I thought if, if that's what has to happen for me to do this in this life, um, you know, then, 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 then so be it. But we, but we have to stand up and we have to risk it. It, it, silence is not an option, right? And I think that um, as I listen to you in your testimony of being a former Democrat and leftist and just that mindset of how they had had you captured, right? And living basically in oppression because that's where they need to keep people in order to manage them. And then breaking free from that, I'm hearing so many liberals and Democrats, etc., with a similar story. And if we can expedite that for others who may be just tipping that scale, it's, it's going to be, how do we tap into that? I know somebody had put a question here, Melanie, saying, any recommended strategies for waking up the asleep, for waking up those individuals um, who are captured right now by the left? Well, share Plandemic 3 with them when it comes <laughs> out. Um, I, I wish I had better news. I'm a very optimistic guy, but I, I have to be honest in that at this stage, if somebody, if, if someone in your life is not awake at this stage, after all of the um, evidence mm-hmm. right in front of our faces, one of the only things who knows where that awakening occurs? It, it Sometimes it's just suddenly someone wakes up and the truth is there. Um, they have a near-death experience and suddenly they're, 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 they're you know, snapped to grid. But r- right now at this stage, it's going to take direct experience. And that's what's happening is people are, people are recognizing that, wait a minute, four people at my work died this year. That's odd. And wait a minute, my friend's 25-year-old son had a stroke. And wait a minute, you know, these things are, are, are unfortunately the only thing at this point that are having people um, start to at least take that first step into saying, I think the vaccines don't work. I think they're deadly. I think they're dangerous at, at, the, at the very mm-hmm. least. Um, but uh, other than that, I, 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 unity is so important right now. You know, my wife's parents, they, they live across the street from us and we're very, very close. And they're in their 70s and 80s, and they're boosted, back, vaccinated and boosted. Um, they've seen my movies. They love me. They trust me. And yet, because they watch CNN and MSNBC, um, they think Anthony Fauci is a great guy trying to save the world. And, and so no, nothing was able to reach them. So we had to just reach a point where we said, let's just love them. Mm-hmm. Let's just love them. And, and, and let that be. They hear our conversations. We don't hold back. We talk about it in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so we don't shy away from our truth, but at the same time, we don't want to get into a situation where we're, I don't even get freaky about shedding and all that stuff. I, I'm not, I refuse to get into a situation where I'm now repulsed by other humans in my life, even mm-hmm. if they're repulsive, <laughs> even if they're, they, you know, they, they, they're the drag queens that want to indoctrinate the children and are doing sexual things. Um, that's why I appreciate where you're coming from because those people got lost along the way somewhere. And there was a time mm-hmm. in my life when I was lost and I found my way. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I want to give other people that opportunity to find their path in their own way. They don't have to speak like us. They don't have to think like us. But at the very, very least, 
can we meet in a place that appreciates freedom that also appreciates the beauty of this life and can, and can we can we find gratitude for for the simple gift of being alive and if we can just meet there we can have different ideologies and um and we don't need to um be so um uh judgmental mm-hmm. with I think that we become, and that's part of the PSYOP too, is just to become so judgmental. Just take someone saying one thing and we're like, I don't like them anymore. You know, and I've seen a lot of people do that, you know, like Robert Malone, my hero. Oh, he just said, what? I don't like him anymore. It's like, slow down. Let us make mistakes. We're, you know, we're perfectly imperfect and let us grow and let us learn. What is a PSYOP? A PSYOP is a psychological operation. I'm reading one of the questions right now. Sorry, I should I, sh- I should have uh, defined that. A psychological operation. So this is a this is military speak. You're welcome, Karen. It's military <laughs> speak for a psychological operation, meaning there's a military operation, the, the operations that come in by force, and and then there are the the real effective effective operations which are psychological and we are in a psychological war and we have been for decades if you watch our birthright you'll see that i put quotes in there from sun tzu sun tzu wrote a book called the art of war the art of war is a doctrine that is used by chinese military today and they'll never admit it but our cia and our our enemies within also use it and so that uh, what it is is it's about it's about beating the enemy without having to physically fight. And so a lot mm-hmm. of what's happening in our world right now is all set up just so that we get disgusted with each other, with, with each other. They use the power of resentment. Resentment is a major dividing tool. You know, cuz when they can go these people get this right and you don't, then we resent those mm-hmm. people. It's not mm-hmm. those people's fault most of the time. It's the political policies that are in place, but they do all of this intentionally and make things unfair. Or those, you know, uh, they, there's mi- millions of ways that they do this so that we start to resent each other. Mm-hmm. And, and that's part of the PSYOP. And so, so be very aware that um, anything that divides us is, is not the path. Yeah, it's intentional. I know uh, somebody had spoken to me recently in this vein of resentment with a spirit of offense. And it's like, you know, everybody, even, you know, they talk a lot about our you know, those kids that are all involved in this and so sensitive living in their parents' basement and that they've got this spirit of offense on them. And all of these minority groups have been trained to have a spirit of offense that they could rise up. And, and the sad part is that spirit of offense is actually victimhood. They're constantly putting a cloak of victimhood on themselves and who thrives then? And so out of a love for these individuals sometimes there was a book james dobson wrote and it's called love must be tough and it was talking about raising children but i think it's um, actually applicable here in society today as well telling the truth cannot always be popular as you know but if we love people enough we will talk the truth we will tell them what the truth is because there could be that seed planted and eventually they're going to have something happen in their life and they may reflect back on that seed of truth and then that seed of truth grows and that seed of truth comes to a victory right in their lives from victor sorry from victim to victor and and that's part of this journey um you know i know we're coming to the top of the hour i know somebody's been asking a question susan i see that it i know there's a lot of concern about this declaration the north america one with president biden trudeau and 
uh, Obrador, who joined Mexico, signed it. Uh, they're saying, signing away your sovereign rights and ownership of the country to the WEF. Have you got any comment about that? Uh, you know, none other than just saying don't do it. And it's horrible. And any anything related to WEF is is a, a is a non-starter for me it's it's uh it's a incredibly corrupt like it's like the un people think the united nations is a is a wonderful place to unite the nation sounds wonderful all their branding sounds wonderful um but but that is the headquarters of the globalists literally and um, the wf is a very powerful organization uh, but it's so wonderful to see the people that are waking up to that as a matter of fact the piece i'm editing uh, i've been editing for the last week or two is all about canada and so I want to say to the Canadians that are listening to this, wow, uh, I mean, we're going through it, uh, you know, here in, in the U.S., but what has happened to a nation that we just a little while ago considered to be one of the freest and most compassionate places, the footage that I'm receiving from what has happened on the ground there, Tanya, you know it firsthand, um, your dictator Trudeau, you know, that guy's got to go. And you have, mm-hmm. uh, it's amazing at um, how fa- how deep into darkness that such a beautiful nation has fallen, has fallen. Under, under that leadership. It is mind blowing. So I just want to say with compassion to the Canadians that are listening to this, um, we are fighting for you too. And we will not stop because we know what happens mm-hmm. to you will happen here. You become the testing ground for a lot of things. And so has the U.S. in a lot of ways. Um, and so we will not stop. And you have people like Tanya and very brave warriors that are on a mission that's unstoppable. And um, and I, I want the people to know that people will say, are, you know, are you hopeful? And I say, no, I lost hope a long time ago because hope indicates that things might work out. I'm in a place of certainty at this point. Yeah. A place of certainty. And I watch the pro- progress every single day. I see the victories. I get to see things that I just, I'll show them through Plandemic 3. And I try my best to take a break and make a short video like our birthright to show people what we're seeing in real time. There's so much progress that we, the human organism, are producing every single day. It is outstanding. It is inspiring. And I am so grateful that this is the moment that I am alive on this planet and that all of you are alive on this planet. We get to be the generation that crosses the threshold into right. the, 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 the beauty of this existence in its purest form. And I don't think, I don't mean kumbaya, everything's going to be roses and butterflies and all of that. We're always going to deal, particularly in the years to come, we have so much mental illness that's going to show up as a result of this COVID crap. Um, And we'll deal with that. Like everything else, we are resilient and we are brilliant. We are humanity. And we need to upgrade our, our perspective of what it is to be human. There's so much uh, for the people out there that do believe in God. And I've been everywhere on the map. I've been a Buddhist, a Taoist, an atheist to come full circle to believe in God. Mm -hmm. And since I've made that choice, my life has only gotten better. And I don't fear like I used to fear. And it's, it's, it's these things that bring us in 
to a greater understanding and perspective of what truly matters. And so the end of this situation is going to be the gift of us waking up to what matters, what truly matters. And that's each other. And that's every breath that we take. I, I think that's amazing. And thank you, Mickey, for all of those words. Uh, one of the things that uh, I consider when you talk about people having hope and certainty, <sighs> and my response to these gl this global agenda and these uh, documents being signed at the UN, I want to remind people the UN is an unelected body who is floating power that they floating power that they do not have. And we have constitutions in the U.S. and in Canada. And the Constitution, especially here, I can quote Section 52.1, says that is it, it, the Constitution is the supreme rule of law in Canada, and anything that is in conflict with it is of no force or effect. So our Constitution is the supreme rule of law of government, of what we're governed by, and how we are living our lives. And so when they come in with an agenda to say that everybody has to get vaxxed, it has to be weighed against our constitution. What Trudeau is doing, what Biden is doing, what these individuals, these globalist ind individuals are doing is they're running roughshod illegally. Understand that it's illegal what they're doing and doesn't fly in the face of our constitution. So if we, as an example, when they were saying you must wear masks, it's, uh, it's mandated that you must wear masks. A mandate isn't a law. They actually, there's no law, no legislation that you have to wear a mask. So guess what? You have the power not to wear a mask. But most people didn't understand for lack of knowledge, you know, people will will fall. And if people only knew at the very beginning of this that they had that choice, if they knew and understood the constitution and the rule of law. And so that's what we're trying to do is we're both on this mission of truth and uh, making sure that people get educated because knowledge is power. And so yes, with certainty, we can say what these governments are doing are illegal and they cannot affect our rights and they cannot change our nations unless we buy into those mm -hmm. lies all right the show is coming to an end but i do want to ask you you and your lovely wife nadia have uh, developed a school in texas as part of this other agenda that's going on not covid but the one to destroy our families and our children what have you done there in texas regarding education well, because it's structured under a ministry, we can't call it a school. It is an educational program. Um, and we we saw what was going on. And we took our kids out of school when we moved from the Los Angeles area. They actually went to a pretty decent school, but the school was starting to follow the protocols. I got a hold of the director of the school, and I said, I, I know a lot of the top doctors, if you'd like to meet them. He said, it's not about that. It's about CDC guidelines and yada, yada. And I said, well, then our kids are gone. And um, we brought them to uh, a, a, a little educational center here that wasn't playing the game in Texas and no masks, no social distancing. All the kids were healthy and well and no fear. And we loved it. But the education didn't go to the level that we wanted our kids to learn. Um, and so uh, we got together with one of the founders of that school and we tried to implement what we wanted to do in this other learning center. And they just weren't ready for it. And so we said, let's branch off and do it ourselves. 
And so we did that and we're in our, we just completed our first year. It's thriving. The kids are, are, are thriving in all ways. They're happy. There's, you know, they, they're, they're learning, they're, they're studying all kinds of, you know, constitutional rights and they have love for their country and love for each other. And, and, uh, and, you know, we're going to take it even further. We're, we're going to, once I have more time, I want to be more uh, involved as a teacher to really talk about the, the, the cognitive process. Cause my boys, if you uh, someday, maybe we'll have them on your show, cause they'll blow your mind um, eight <laughs> and 11 and the things that come out of their mouth the things that they're aware of, um, they're super tapped into reading people and knowing when someone's full of it and understanding when something's propaganda. And they're the happiest boys I've ever seen in my life. Um, they, they're just zero fear. Even when I, the investigation was happening and I, I had to tell my boys and sit down and tell them very, a high probability that there's going to be a very loud knock at the door or perhaps the door is going to be broken in and daddy's going to be taken away in handcuffs. And this is what it looks like. And this is what it might sound like. Um, mm. They're, they're just, they were just like, cool dad. Like we get, it. it's part of the game and we'll, we're here. I just, I don't want you guys to be traumatized. So I need mm. you to know ahead of time what's happening and I'll get out and everything will be fine. But there's, there's people that want to see me stopped and what I'm doing and I'll never yeah. stop. And so um, you know, we lost our house a few years ago and they lost everything they owned. Uh, we got out in our pajamas and zero problems with that. They lost everything they mm. owned and they thought it was the coolest thing ever that they get to start over. So they're really right. well adjusted. And so now we're seeing within our educational program that all the kids are developing this, you know, very little drama, almost no bullying things come up. The kids are starting to guide themselves, you know, that they'll, they, my son yesterday said, there's a, a girl that is feeling excluded. Um, and, the, and, and what do we do, dad? You know, cause, cause he was very honest. He said, she's a little immature, so we don't always want to hang out with her, but I also don't want her to feel excluded. So what do you recommend? Hmm. You know, he's 11 years old asking these kind of questions. And I said, that's a great, great, great point. And how about try this? And you never know, it might surprise you. Maybe her immaturity is because she's trying to show off or get your attention, but, but give her a chance, bring her in, you know? And, and mm -hmm. so the, the, the school, we call it the pride because it's about raising lions. And <laughs> we're actually, um, uh, accepting donations now to make a movie about it. And then if you guys uh, heard of the war hero, the military hero, Tim Kennedy, who rescued people out of Afghanistan, incredible human being, he started his own educational program in Texas. So we're gonna feature his school, our school, and then we're looking for an inner city school that we can feature just to put it out for free and show parents all over the world this is the structure. This is how we created it. Here's our, here's all of our curriculums. You can borrow from any of them. It's all free. And, um, okay. and, uh, you know, do get your kids out of school. But if, if I want to leave anyone listening with any other message, get your kids out of school. That's number one. And don't think for a second, I'll tell you a quick story. I know we're out of time, but here's a quick story. When I moved to Texas, I did a fantastic podcast one of my favorite podcasts other than this one, of course. And, um, <laughs> and during the podcast, I mentioned the problem with our schools. Now this is two years ago. And the podcast host said, wow, I wasn't aware of all this, uh, the school boards and all this crazy stuff happening. And he goes, Oh, thank God my kids go to, I can afford to send them to a good private school. And I said, Oh no, 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 no. I said, private schools are some of the targets because they know that those are affluent families that will likely send their kids to the affluent colleges and they will likely become the kids who 
our influencers and running the businesses and 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 the heads of our next workforce. So you're not, they're not your kids aren't safe. And he's ah, oh, they go to a really really great school. A year later, he calls me and he says, um, "Can you come over? I need to talk to you." And I said, "Sure." I go over. He makes his famous little slow drip coffee and he sets it down in front of me and he goes, "It's in my home." And I said, mm. I'm, "What? What's in your home?" And he said, "Exactly what you warned me about." My 13. This makes me want to cry. Um, my 13-year-old daughter told us that she doesn't know what gender she is. Yeah. That she hates America and that her mother and father are fascists. And yeah. and this is such a good man and it's such a good. His wife is amazing, and mm-hmm. that they're doing this to our children. Turning them against the people who gave them life mm-hmm. is one of the most horrific crimes against humanity that there will ever be. And oh. so your children are not safe unless they go to a school that is wide awake. And I don't mean woke. Get them out. Yeah. Oh, you, you are speaking to the core of my heart here. Every time I speak on this subject, I have moms coming up to me, giving me testimonies of their daughter at the age of 14 being seduced by the trans community and convinced that she was a boy. Uh, one committed suicide in November of 2021. And, and uh, so I'm taking on that school, that mission school where this daughter was uh, convinced, right, and indoctrinated. I have another girl that's been on my show who actually said, Sarah, who had her breasts removed, much like Chloe in the United States and others. So um, when we were talking previously about what is it going to take, somebody had asked about how do we convince, you know, those individuals on the left. And I said, plant those seeds. And sometimes those seeds are seeds of love with tough love. And, and, and you know what, they'll be rejected, they may reject you. But unfortunately, for those ones, the tipping point and the turning point where will it will be when it enters their own home, when their life personally is affected by it, and it's either going to be with a transgender ch- uh, child, one that's hooked on drugs now, or this, um, you know, committing suicide or suicidal thoughts, or it's going to be loved ones who are dying and harmed by this jab. And that's the crossroads that we're at right now, that's where our wins are, unfortunately, with those who wouldn't listen to us before. They're coming over from our side, but they're coming over injured and damaged, and we're the hospital. And our chapters across Canada, I'm going to just use this moment to say, if you're one of those individuals, get involved in one of our communities, because we want to love on you. There is grace. (laughs) There is room for grace. And um, if you're somebody that is standing on the edge uh, because you've been deceived, and you don't have loved ones around you, get involved, but reach out to our prayer chain because we'd like to be in communication with you as well and uh, we want to help you. And uh, so, oh my goodness, my friend, this has been just an amazing evening. I know that there's those, I was trying to go through the Q&A, but some of them were statements, so it was really hard for me to pick questions tonight uh, from anybody that was here. Normally we do a live Q&A, so to those of you who wanted a live Q&A tonight, one of the obstacles is that a lot of you haven't updated your zoom so your mics don't work (laughs) so get them Uh updated if you want to ask questions in the future because we love having you on live but it leaves a lot of dead airtime and i wanted to make the most out of having uh, mickey willis on the show tonight and i think we achieved that so thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart i hope you'll come back in june and uh, we'll talk about uh, how things are going with the launch of uh, plandemic 3 
I, I, you know what I'd like? Also, if you could leave us with some closing words, just wrap up um, anything you'd like from the Empower Hour tonight and anything, again, that you would like to leave as a final message for our viewers. Well, first of all, again, thank you. Uh, thank you for this. And I, I'd come back anytime. Uh, I, I, for me, it's about the uh, the purity of the spirit and intention of, of everything that I do. And uh, it's just really clear where you operate from. And uh, and I love Danielle, too. I see her notes popping up here. <laughs> I love you, too, Danielle. Uh, you know, I don't know. I may, may have already said it, but I'll just reiterate that there is uh, incredible progress that's happening. And, and challenges, you know, my situation of being at the World Trade Center, the most horrific experience I've ever seen to see scattered body parts, was the catalyst that informed the rest of my life. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like the old fable of the crossroads. You know, you, you, you have a choice point of, of what to choose. And this situation has become so serious that it forced the, to, to choose beyond our fear. And that's a wonderful thing. And so I, I have a lot of... Hello? Can you hear there me? we go. I've seen. Yes, now we can. You're back. <laughs> a little interference there. <laughs> okay. I think okay. It's, oh, awesome. Awesome. Okay. We're back. We're back. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, you know, the, the, the bottom line really is, is to recognize the divinity of this existence. Mm -hmm. I think that we, we don't give God enough credit to think that it, all of this is in some way by design and happening 100%. for us and not to us. And mm -hmm. so the acceptance of that, one thing I did learn when I was a Buddhist is one, one, one incredible line from a monk that I was meditating with that said to me, resistance is the cause of all suffering. Now, I don't mm -hmm. mean the resistance like the frontline activism that we're doing. You know, there's, we need to resist a lot right now. I mean, the resistance of the way life shows up. And if we can simply accept things as they show up, we move faster through the suffering, we move faster through the pain, and we can stay on focus to know that it's really about the end result that we're going for. And so what I know is that after uh, 30 years of studying the work of a man named Joseph Campbell, who created the term the hero's journey, is that we're all on our hero's journey. The man spent his lifetime studying human mythologies and the stories that the humans have been telling each other since the, the dawning of, of humanity. And Hollywood has taken that story, his work, and has adapted into what they call a three-act play. And every iconic movie that you've ever seen is somehow structured upon this hero's journey. And the, I realized years into studying this man's work that all the stories were very similar. It was actually one story about humanity. And that was the reluctant hero, the hero that gets pulled into this life or death situation. And they realize that the force is within, that they are the one. And they step up to do the work they came here to do. And they slay the dragon in the terms of the hero's journey, which, mm -hmm. is, the, which is bringing light to the darkness. And that we are all that hero. And we're all on our hero's journey. And we are reaching the crescendo. And as every story ever goes, the heroes are victorious. Mm. 
Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. God bless you, Mickey. And I look forward to being God in touch with you. you again. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you so much. Right. Okay. Well, that's amazing evening. Thank you so much. And, you know, I've said for quite a while, as Mickey had said, that uh, God is in control and that he even appoints, I've been reading about this uh, this week in John, and he even appoints uh, horrible rulers for a time. And it generally happens when a country has turned their back on God and a moral and ethical style of living. And so God uses bad rulers to bring us uh to our knees so that we look up. And I believe that uh, that is his testimony as well, is that God brought him to his knees. He brought him to a specific point in his life where he looked at all of these ways of different, um, you know, maybe religious beliefs like with Buddha and there was empty, there was emptiness there. And yet when we're born into this world, we, we come with a hole inside of us that only the one true God can fill. So we encourage you every week, you know, to search out who the one true God is in your life. Life, and you will have a peace that passes all understanding when we get to these storms. All right, so I am super excited. Next week, we are having Dr. Ann Gillies on the show. And as I mentioned at the onset in the weekly update, we are really taking on very seriously you know, these attacks against our children. Uh, I mean, these are our precious babies. These are our precious babies in the school that, as we say, our birthright, we gave birth to them, and we have a duty and an obligation to make sure that they're okay. As it turns out, um, Dr. Ann Gillies has written a book uh, called The Predators Among Us and talks about pedophilia as well. So we're going to learn more about what's going on um, you know, with those predators who are in our school system, uh, try to understand the mindset as well. And, um, you know, I do, I, I do look at these individuals as victimizing who are re-victimizing individuals in their lives because they've got um, uh, unresolved issues. And so there comes a point where, you know, yes, we need to have compassion until that compassion draws the line of uh, not being able to tolerate criminal action and these violent attacks against our kids. So it is a time for us to rise up as people and concerned citizens. I'm very excited to have uh, Anne on. And then on February 8th, we're having none other than Rocco Galati on the show. So again, we're very excited about that. We'll give you a little bit of updates on legal actions, but we're also going to talk about the truckers convoy and uh, the um, global, uh, what was it? Uh, the global, uh, no, government, sorry, government inquiry. A little bit about the citizens inquiries that are going on. I think it's going to be a very insightful, interesting, and educational show. So make sure that uh, you um, are signed up with Action for Canada. If you, if somebody sent you the link tonight to join us, go to Action for Canada under join. Once you join, you will be included in our mass email list where you get the weekly updates and the invitations to the Empower Hour. All right, so in closing, will you please bring up our passage for tonight? All right, so from Isaiah 28, verses 5 to 6. In that day the Lord Almighty will be a glorious crown, a beautiful wreath for the remnant of his people. He will be a spirit of justice to the one who sits in justice, sorry, who sits in judgment, a source of strength to those who turn back to battle at the gate. And I consider those of us on the front line, those you, each one of you who are standing on the front line, 
who you see the battle ahead of you and you choose not to turn back, but you move forward. God is with us and God is going to be victorious. It says so. I've read the end of the book. It's all going to be okay. All right. Thank you to everybody. Thanks for joining us tonight. God bless you and God bless Canada. you and God bless Canada. Yeah.